You are now tuned into the Wake the Flock Up Network. When it comes to entertainment in Los Angeles, one production company has it on lock. Young Baca Productions. From a bi-monthly show at the Airliner in Los Angeles, to the many shows, to the B-Side Forum, to the State of Battle Rap on the B-SideChannel.com, Young Baca Productions are putting together the dopest entertainment in Los Angeles, California, and beyond. Check them out on Wait the Flock Up Send You, YoungBacaProductions.com. Welcome back to the show. You're now listening to Wake the Flock Up with Concept 714 after a journey. Dude, how far you think Sherman Oaks? Sherman Oaks to where we're at in San Bernardino. I mean, in traffic. I mean, damn, that definitely took you three hours, right? At three least. hours plus. <laughs> I, I don't go. I, yeah. I, it's, you know, during traffic hours, trying to head out here or yeah. even vice versa. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's murder, you know, for sure. Well, but, you know, you got to uh, you gotta have a little dedication. Yeah. Oh, for yeah, sure. Right. For sure. I mean, you, yeah, you got to make it happen for sure. You know what I mean? I've, I've constantly driven from San Bern to LA to, man, just to go shake somebody's hand or smoke a blunt. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah, for sure. It's not only my favorite, not the interviews are the outcome, but like most, right. most of life, the best part is the journey. For sure. So for, for sure. me, for the sure. journey is having it coming and being welcomed here. Yeah. And building a relationship with the artist on a personal level. Right. And, for me, it's what I take home. It's like my memories. It's my when I, when I'm old. When I'm an old man, I'm gonna right. be able to say like, "Yo, I sat at Tomex's place," and you know, of well, course, we'll do that. That's the thing, you know the the conversations, and you know, having a podcast myself, it's like the conversations that you have, and and the fact that they're like archived is is great. You know what I mean? Because you know, I always try when I when I interview somebody, I try to say like, "Hey, I'm trying to have the definitive interview." You know, like a uh, one day one day in the future. You know, I want people to look to say when, you know, when they have conversations about someone say like, Hey, you want a definitive interview with somebody here? Go look at this. You know what I mean? So it's cool, man. I, I feel you. And, and we've, I've been lucky enough to be able to land a couple of those. Right. Uh, so much so that some artists even add them to their EPK. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like, to it's me, all, that's, it's all love, that's you know? the ultimate compliment. It's like, yo, you want to know about me? Listen to this. Well, interview, you've been putting in know. work forever. You well, know what I'm saying? And been putting in work yeah. and like, you know, I've been on, other formations of your shows and yeah. other things that you've done, you know, yeah. it's all good. The, my my goal is to well, the people that I look up to would be like your sways, you know, right, 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 your sways sure. and like your Adam Carollas and these people that literally build themselves to be they they somehow are above celebrity because celebrities go to them to so people know more about them. You know what I mean? Right, 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 they, right, they, right. They've been able to build themselves this platform where they're they're like almost outside of the celebrity realm. Right, right. Well, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you've got a, you know, a moderator is, is an important thing, you know what I mean? So it's a good thing. And there's certain artists that like have built like a legendary status, you know what I mean? Even while still being alive and active. There's, right, there's right, those right. artists that, uh, you know, the form we were talking about slug. Like we could definitely right. talk about slug and he's one of these people that, um, has built himself to be a, a walking, talking legend to an entire generation of hip hop. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of respect for for Sean and and Ant and the whole operation. I think. I think rhyme as a hip hop as an underground hip hop artist. I think Rhyme Sayers is one of those like examples of when people did it right. Right. When a crew did it right. Right. They the label did it right. The city did it right. And you know they they're an example. You know, many times a lot of artists and crews, especially crews, you know, even crews I've been in, you know, we all want to build this empire, and like to to me, they built an empire, and uh, to you know to their degree, and and you know they're to me it seems like everyone on Rhymesayers is just cool, you know, from idea and ability, from idea rest in peace and abilities, and to every group, Grayskull are some of my best friends and. Every artist, brother Ali, every artist on Rhymesayers is just always POS and Doomtree are family. You know, all those cats are just, just genuinely nice people that just care about their careers and and you know they've all they've all pretty much done it right. You know? And it makes sense that they would kind of be drawn to each other because they have the same mentality when it comes to hip hop, like what they're delivering and and the way that they deliver, like your Aesop rock and then your atmosphere and your like uh, uh, you know diggable plant. Like they're all the same type of feel to their music right right, right? right. and even to the exterior family you have like sage francis who very much you sure. can fit in with an atmosphere or uh yeah for or sure pros or whatever i, I right? respect yeah i put out a record on strange famous one time i respect sage i mean i'll say it he's a crazy dude but i respect him as an artist i think as an artist he's, he's an impeccable artist and a great writer songwriter and a great performer right so yeah so for, for sure. those that haven't figured it out we're sitting here with two mix Word. What's up? Hey, first let me say, every, so I went to your pad that was in L.A. County last time. Right, right, right. And it was a museum. And now I'm glad to see that that has not changed here in San Bernardino. Oh, yeah. I'm one of those people, man. I'm real tacky. I, I collect posters and stickers. No, and no, 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 no. I like, no, 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 to, I like to surround <laughs> myself. I like my house to look like... I like my house to look like a like a small record store. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm no saying? doubt, no I'm doubt. Always into and, posters and I can and see, memories. and I see, and I recognize a lot of them, a lot of the ones that I saw over there, and then some new ones. Yep. right? yeah. Well, when 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 this happened, when the situation happened to me with my leg, where I had to move out, my my roommate Disky, like like a G, you know, he he took everything off the wall, everything. He took all my stuff, and like he knows that he cares about posters and art and archives and yeah things like that too so he took all my important posters and kept them and like do clean them and brought them to my parents and, and gave them to me and so my parents brought them to me when i moved into this new pad and you know i just had to put them up it makes the house it just makes the house it reminds me of home you know like i said i'm really into uh i'm really into the memories yeah of, so it's like a lot of posters from like every poster's got like a memory for me you know and i do want to get like into into the, the the into your leg and everything and all the issues that you've gone through recently right. but before we get into that there's a lot of stuff that I, uh as a fan i've always wondered about tumix right you know um and luckily now i'm in the position where i can actually sit down with tumix and ask you all these questions yeah for sure that of i've course. always that i've always had you can shoot man i'm pretty much an open book you know uh -huh. what i mean like yeah so uh your social security number uh-huh what is it it's five four five okay that's eight, don't six. don't talk oh, okay. too much because yeah, yeah it's all good <laughs> you think you have good credit two mix does two um, mix have good credit that's a good you know question. what the funny thing the funny shit is that i thought i didn't have good credit at all but my parents man and you guys should do this as a parent to your child man i found out that i do have good credit because my parents had my name on the cable bill 
like the K, like they put, you know, Alejandro, my, my, yeah. me and my dad have the same name. So yeah. they put me as the person paying the cable bill. Uh-huh. And dude, we've had cable since the late eighties and, and my parents. And so dude, they've had my, I've been, my name has been paying the cable bill for my parents for 25 years, 30 so years. So you have 25 so years have of 25 years of paying a bill on time. Woo. But me, every now and then I've, I've had slip ups with Verizon or something uh, like that yeah. where, where like Verizon used to charge too much and I'd be like, fuck them or F them. You know what I mean? And, uh, no, you can cut. Oh, yeah, it's cool. That's good. Yeah. You'll edit it out. But yeah, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I've had my issues with, uh, creditors yeah. in the past. So, but I'm saying like having your parents have a bill in your name that they paid for 25 years helps that's what's up so it turns out that and i think and you know what is funny i think in la too the 12 years i lived in la disky shout out to disky he had me he had my name on one of the bills too so yeah and you know that's the secret to get credited is let somebody that pays <laughs> the bills have a bill in your name yeah and then you're just automatically like you know good credit tips from tumex yeah you know what i'm saying that's what's other up. than that I, I mean, I'm, I'm not much on, on that kind of world, you know? Yeah, no doubt. But I mean, like, uh, it, it's, and it goes to like responsibilities and stuff, right? It's, it's, you know, it's hard to be responsible when you're a creative, when you're a left brain, you know, I'm a creative, I consider myself a creative super force. So it doesn't sometimes details and, and punctuality and stuff like that. Sometimes you can't be good at everything. And I don't feel like I'm good at everything. So like for as creative as I am and, and artistic and improvisational, sometimes, other details of, of things I'm not great at. Yeah. Not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so the, one of the things that I've always wanted to know was, um, cause I, I, I got an idea of where you came from, of where you started. Right. Right. But I want to hear it from you. Like at what age did you know that hip hop was your path? Um, I fell in love with hip hop. I mean, I literally listened. I was in the, I don't know if I was in the second or third grade, but coming home from school, walking home i was a latchkey kid which means my parents worked and i had to you know walk home from school i would i remember my homie javier and we would walk i would walk home but i'd stop at his house and one day him and his older brother cisco who was like a gangster from i think he was from 18 or something but one day he played a record and it was Blowfly. And Blowfly, rest in peace, who just passed away this year. You know, Blowfly was like, no, kind of like noted as one of the first rappers. And he's a comedian and he used to do a lot of sex raps and he used to have a like, like Richard Pryor type shit, but he was like mm. sex raps. And so I heard a Blowfly record and it, it just blew me away because he was rap. It was, an, it was rhyming. It was funny. And he was rhyming and he was rapping about, and it was crazy because he's rapping, he's cussing. He's rapping about pussy and shit or whatever. He don't like 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 shit or whatever. Watching my tears falling. And I was like, wow, somebody's cussing on a record or like, and and that's actually where I first heard some rap. And then after that, I through K Day or you know radio, being an '80s kid, I I, I heard Sugar Hill Gang. I heard the message, you know, Melly Mel, and I heard some stuff like that. And eventually, through K-Day, who I, which is weird that I work there now, through K-Day, I, you know, I started hearing Slick Rick and Dougie Fresh and, and, and hip-hop. And I just fell in love with hip-hop from, from uh, I guess, from uh, uh, Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight. And I just got into hip-hop. And, and I heard hip-hop on the radio, heard hip-hop on MTV. I watched Run DMC on MTV with Walk This Way and all that. So, all so that. you... 
you got your first from uh, something that wasn't even maybe considered hip hop because it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Blowfly was like an adult comedy, X-rated comedy, but it was, he was rapping. And I never really thought about it because you're saying, oh, somebody's cursing on a on a record. Besides that, like there might have been only comedy records that had cuss words on them. Before, yeah. Right? Well, it was just I was enthralled by the fact that somebody was cussing on a record or like you know just I mean, it's, that was just an example of like the first wave of of what I considered to be music and no, records I'm and just stuff, yeah you know? but I'm trying to paint the picture because is this is uh, back then when like only comedy records had those cuss words or right, they right. were able to touch on that and you hear you're, you're, well, you're, you're listening to it rhyming and like with patterns yeah, and stuff yeah yeah right? this has to be um, so it's like the inklings of hip hop coming I, I to I mean be. this has to be to me it has to be like 80 you know early 80s you know what I mean it could be like I was born in 73 so it could have been 80 81 you know what i'm saying something like that or like you know what i mean i know sugar hill gang was like 79 or something right so it's probably like 80 81 you know so yeah i was just in love with hip-hop i guess so then, uh in new york it was still growing it was still right. developing it wasn't and you heard it over here on a version that probably didn't have an attachment to new york but it goes to show you that it was its time it yeah. was hip-hop's time I'll, to, i watched to bloom out. i actually watched the first day of MTV when MTV launched and they p- played their first video, uh, "Video Killed the Radio Star" by by a group called Buggles. I I watched that. I had cable. I watched that and and was a, you know what music on television? This is amazing. I was in love with AM radio. I would listen to. I was addicted to the radio at five, six, seven. You know what I mean? My parents had a consola, and I would listen to music, them uh, eight track tapes and records. My dad had, you know, my dad had Beatles live at the Hollywood Bowl and Beatles records and uh, Bill Haley and the Comets. You know, Bill Haley, um, the music that you would hear on like Happy Days. Yeah. yeah. One, two, three o'clock, mm-hmm. four o'clock, rock yeah. room, five. Yeah. You know that kind of shit. And uh, yeah, I was in love with music, man. AM radio. AM Gold, there's a radio station called the Mighty 690, Tijuana, that was based out of Tijuana, that was playing, you know, music, and I was- So you're around, you're saying around nine? Yeah, well, I mean, I was born in 73s, so my first conscious memories, let's say, are are like four, five, six, you know what I'm saying? So 79, 80, 81, you know. When did it, when did you, when did you start getting involved into it? In hip hop in particular, besides being a fan, um, I first started getting into hip hop, around let's see 85 i'd say i'd say i first started getting into hip-hop 14 15 um on my street my first dj his name is dj gonzo jose gonzalez he he uh he was a the quinceanera dj so he dj'd all the quinceaneras all the parties all the parties on the street this dude worked at LA high school. He was like, you know, he, uh, did everything. And, and, and that's why I do everything because he played everything. So I would go, I would like carry his records. I'd be like, can I, can I go to the party? And he's like, yeah, help me carry these records. So I'd, I'd go like to his back room and watch him spin. And then I'd go to parties and carry his records and he would spin. I wanted to be a DJ before I wanted to be a rapper. And he would spin one hour of hip hop. He'd spin, uh, cumbias. He'd spin, 50s so he you know he knew how to rock the old the old you know the older people so he'd he'd have spanish music then he'd have you know whatever was on the radio at the time and you know so i learned from someone that was doing everything and which is why i do everything and uh that was my first thing i wanted to be a dj i started buying records my my actually my rest in peace my tia rossi passed away yesterday my tia rossi um she actually 
bought, bought me my first record. She bought me uh, Musical Youth. Pop the Dutchie, pop the Dutchie on the left on side. She bought me that album, Musical Youth, on vinyl. The first record I ever got, ever. She bought that for me. And from that moment on, I started sweating my parents to buy me 45s. And my parents started buying, you know, uh, Walk This Way, 45 or in DMC with a, uh, what was on the, on the B side? It was like Peter Piper, I think, or was on the B side. And then, uh, I started buying rock. I was into, I was on MTV, baby. I, st- I bought Sergio Mendez, uh, 45, uh, it's like an R&B song. Uh, never gonna let you go. I'm gonna hold you in my arm. You know, I started buying, uh, new wave music, Rick Springfield, the safety dance, some stupid 80s song. And then I, you know, when I cried, actually one of the f- greatest moments in music for me was I graduated sixth grade at, uh, my, my school, which is called La Cienega Elementary on Adams and, and La Brea, off of La Brea. And um, when you graduated sixth grade, Warner Brothers Records came to our graduation and they gave, they came with boxes and boxes of records. And every kid that graduated, they gave, they, they're like, pick any record you want. I remember there were even promos, like they would cut the, the edge of the vinyl, like, cause they're promos so you couldn't yeah, resell them. Yeah. But I didn't know about that at the time. And the record that I picked, was Van Halen 1984. Nice. Because it had a baby smoking on it. I'd never even heard Van Halen. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, wow, this record's got a baby smoking on uh-huh. it. And so I bought, I bought, I, I grabbed Van Halen and, and dude, I started collecting records and that's where my love for hip hop really started. What I'm trying to, uh, what I'm trying to understand or like get in my right. mind is what your parents thought of their son getting involved in hip hop like gradually right because it's not like now where i can a kid anyone can go on youtube and then watch everything uh, whatever and then watch their entire catalog so you can but you're discovering it slowly are they you gotta understand like my father my father and we didn't bring bring this up my my dad is my dad's a multi-instrumentalist songwriter the community theater my dad wrote poetry. My dad wrote short stories. So 100% of my artistic vibe is for my dad. I would be seven years old and my dad would, um, walk out of the room dressed like an Aztec warrior. And I would be like, what? What? What is he? What are you doing? And my, and my dad would be like, I'm going to go do a play, a community play. My dad would be on a keyboard. My dad would be playing guitar. My dad would be singing like in the back. Like my dad for 20, 30 years, my dad would be in the kitchen of our one bedroom apartment with nobody paying attention to him. My mom, me, nobody's paying attention to him. And my dad would be playing music and he'd be singing, playing this keyboard. And so music was so deep in my dad that I, music was nothing to me because my dad's playing guitar. My dad's singing. My dad, I would never, I didn't know about my dad's poetry till later in life, but my dad's writing poetry. My dad's writing short stories. And, uh, so I, you know, I was my dad, you know, I would look at my dad's records and my dad had, you know, Santana and Aretha Franklin. And, you know, like I said, Bill Haley in the comments and the Beatles. I was really influenced by the Beatles. What about moms? Mom's was more into my mom didn't never bought records. My mom was into um boleros. Oh okay. my mom was into Juan Gabriel. Yeah. And she was into the uh what's the other dude that's like Juan Gabriel? There was another dude. Uh I forgot the dude's name, but he was like a Juan Gabriel type. And my mom was into Oh, like, they're like the bookies or uh Emmanuel or uh, Emmanuel. My yeah. mom was into that. And my mom was into boleros. Yeah. And really like 
like love romantic love song shit. Yeah. But I never was too influenced by what my mom was into. I was more influenced by my dad. My yeah. dad actually, my mom only played music for herself. Yeah. But when she was cleaning, my mm-hmm. dad was playing music all the time. My mm-hmm. dad let me fuck up the consola. You know what I'm saying? Like as soon as they would leave, <laughs> yeah. as soon as, you know, at, at some point in life, I think my tia also bought me a Prince Purple Rain. Ooh. So as soon as like, as soon as my parents would leave, I mean like they're pulling out of the driveway and I'm running to the kitchen to grab a green broom, which is my guitar. Yeah. And I would immediately listen to the radio, K-Rock, whatever. And whatever's, you know, I'm, you know, I'll put on Prince Purple Rain and act like I was Prince. Or I'll put on the Beatles. The For some reason, the Beatles really affected me. The Beatles live at the Hollywood Bowl because the, the record had a lot, you know, like, and it was like so dope to like. So the imagery behind it. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. the songs like, you know, close your eyes. Yeah. And it's like the Beatles when they were real, like before they got drugged out and psychedelic. Yeah, yeah. And then my dad had the album where they were drugged out and psychedelic too. He had a, this one called, uh, it's called Beatles 1963 to 1960 something mm-hmm. where like one side of it, they're kind of fresh face and they're like looking over a balcony. Yeah. And they're all kind of like fresh face with the bowl haircuts. Yeah. And then you flip the record over and it's four years later and they're all with the fucking like, the long hair yeah, and the all, beards yeah, and shit. Like yeah, beads and shit. So. so what about brothers and sisters? Do we have any? Um, I have one sister. Her name is Nancy, and she's six years younger than me. So, uh-huh. you know, I, you know, she was, it, as I got older, you know, when she became about 12, 13, and I was already 18 and, like, moving out, you know, that her musical taste, you know, she, after after her, after the age of 12, 13, and after the age of 18, 19, my sister became sort of an influence on me too because me and her would always go to record stores man at one point me and her had a trash can a trash can full of cassettes Mm -hmm. like we would go to the to the last record store on pico and bundy in west la and they had a whole upstairs section that was 99 cent cassettes and i always had a job since i was 13 and i always had like little scrappy money from having a job and me and my sister would go every weekend and buy cassettes like just over, like literally just buy them on site, whether we knew about the group or not. Like if the cover looked interesting, if the song titles look interesting, and we just buy it. Cause that was how you, you, know? you were, how you, you judged, right? Yeah. That's how you used to judge it. I used, to, I mean, hip hop records, I used to judge them by the back, like, like the shout outs. You know, I'd be like, ah, what? They're yeah. down, what? They're down with X Clan? Yeah. What? They're down with Grand Pooba? Man, yeah. they gotta be cool. I gotta check these out. Or what? Man, I was so hardcore. I would be, da- I would buy a record by who mixed it. Mm-hmm. Like what? Tom Coyne mixed it? I don't even know who the fuck Tom Coyne is. Tom Coyne mixed this at Master Disc in New York. Like, because <laughs> if I saw a record, yeah. like if a tri, you know, if, if a tribe of Call Quest album was mixed by Tom Coyne, then like I would remember that because I'd read the shit out of the mm. back of a CD. So then if another group was, their album was mixed by Tom Coyne, yeah. I would be like, oh, this is the guy that mixed Tribe Called Quest. It's records. funny that you say that because yeah. there was an artist and I don't think he, I don't think he went anywhere. His name was Freestyle Lee. Yep, I know Freestyle Lee. Freestyle Lee. So Freestyle Lee had, uh, I used to go to, it wasn't Tower Records, it was a, uh, yeah, I, rem- I it remember. It was one of the records. And I can't he can't say I bumped his shit, but I know who he was. Yeah. Freestyle Lee, right? Yeah. And it, it, I remember copying the tape, and on the back it had the, the name of a certain, I think I want to say it was like an engineer or a producer or something like that. Right. And then I remember that name. It was like Mike. Mike 
Jenison or uh-huh. something like that. And then I remember looking for familiar things on the yeah. on 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 al- other albums. Yeah, I was like, I mean, I would be like, you know, like back then a call sign we, we can say we call call signs now. Back then that was really big. You know what I mean? If I if I you know I, re- I used to read the source like 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 I would read it like it's the Bible. And so if if you know if the source told me to buy a, a record, I would go buy it. The source you was know? amazing. Yeah. It was an incredible. And then. It was, it is, it was unfortunate of everything that it went through and everything that started coming out about the source. And like you're saying, people trusted it. They were like, yo, if the source is, it's cool. I used then to it's s- gotta be cool. I used to steal the source from the, from the, if I was broke, I yeah. would steal the, the source every month from uh-huh. the, or I'd buy it if I had the money from uh, the newsstand on Pico and Robertson. Uh huh. I would steal the source and I would steal Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And I would just <laughs> You're a wrestling go, fan uh, too, man. Yeah. Okay. And I would, but I was all about the source. Yeah. So yeah, man, I, I was just a music head, you know, yeah. like my, my dad influenced me heavy. And then I was the eighties MTV baby. So I fell in love with British New Wave. I fell in love mm-hmm. with The Cure and The Smiths and yeah. Duran Duran and the So, Mom and then not only shit. were you able to listen to them, you were able to see them. Yeah. And yeah. then, and they would come up and then you would have shows that would interact with them. Like they would interview them or I go mean, where they are. I mean, I will, I would lay down with a pillow by the radio and listen to Dr. Demento Man. and listen to, I would listen to every, uh, you know, the Raiders were in LA at the time. I listened yeah. to the Raider games. I yeah. listened to the Dodger Vince Scully. I listened to the Laker games. Yeah. I would listen to the Kings games. I would listen to, you know, anything, man. I was addicted to the radio. And I was addicted to, I wasn't even about being a musician. Like my dad tried to teach me to play guitar at a young age, which I regret. I wish I would have learned more, mm-hmm. but I was into sports and shit like that. But yeah. I loved music though. Like, I so that hip hop saw just, you progressing you know. in that direction. He was okay with it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I but was always he, into music. What, but what did he think of hip hop itself? Um, I mean, I don't remember my dad having too much of an opinion on golden era hip hop. Like me listening to K, K Day. I don't think he ever was like, that shit's garbage he never like cared he he never like judged what music you liked later in life when i became a mc and he would like my dad got interested in hip-hop years after i got into music and then he'd see like jay-z and shit i remember one time my dad telling me he he was he was like because my father you know your parents are concerned they want you to be rich you know they want you to go to school they want you to be well off yeah right so i remember i'll never forget i've told the story lots of times where i i my dad one time i was kicking it with him and he tried to show me jay-z's big pimping and he was like well fuck man if you're gonna make music like why don't you make shit like this and be paid Uh and get money and i would show and then i showed my dad de la soul the stakes is high Uh uh-huh where in that video, I don't know if you know that video, but in that yeah. video, they're doing laundry, they're yeah. mowing the lawn, they're uh-huh. like doing normal shit. Yeah. And I was like, nah, dad, I'm more like this. Yeah. And my dad's like, you're stupid. <laughs> and I was like, I am stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I was like, I am stupid because I'm more about being De La Soul stakes as high than uh-huh. I would ever be about Jay-Z Big Pimpy. Do you think you know? that's just uh, your soul? Um, I mean, dude, when I first started wanting to be a rapper when I was 16 and 17, I wanted to be signed to Sony. I wanted to be, make music videos. I wanted to be rich and fuck bitches. And so, yeah, I had all those dreams like everybody else. So I, I'm not, a, I wasn't like, I'm not going to act like I was like Fugazi and shit all fucking Rage Against the Machine, punk rock, immortal technique and mm-hmm. shit, you know? But I was very, I was, I wanted to 
have I had those dreams like anybody else and and I have those dreams of successful but honestly I was I didn't I was just barely getting into music so I had to learn to be good it it takes it took me over half a decade to really make anything that I liked you know what I'm saying those first five years to really find yourself I mean yeah to find the, the, the lane you were looking for you know what I'm saying I started rapping I was influenced by East Coast rap I was influenced by you know, I started rapping. I wanted to be like X-Clan or Public Enemy or Poor Righteous Teachers or Brand Nubians and shit at first. Cause I was like, I was like, man, look at these, uh, rappers dropping knowledge and intelligence. And then like, I was, I, you know, I just wanted to see Mexicans doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. The first way it's, it's ironic. Cause now I really like talking a lot to Kid Frost and shit like that. And I find how much of an old school rapper. He was, I didn't know he was like an electro hop rapper from the eighties, but I only knew La, this for La Raza. Yeah. And I only mm-hmm. knew Lighter Shade of Brown, right. uh, on a Sunday afternoon. So just based on those two kind of songs, I was like, well, I'm not really this kind of rapper. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I didn't know that Frost and all these cats were deep on some deeper shit, but it's just that was the song they had, you know? There's another, there's a, you know? there's a rapper because the distinction would be them or it would be, so you gotta be straight hardcore gangster Hispanic yeah. rapper. Like Be, there wasn't no in between. I, there yeah. wasn't no visionaries before the visionaries type Dude, of music. I came from a time where people would be like, "Rap, that's black people music, yeah, homie. Yeah. That's nigga music yeah, or whatever." Yeah, like, yeah. why are you doing that Mayata music? Yeah, why yeah, you know the yeah. rasa? The rasa would be like, "Why are you doing that black that black people music?" Yeah. And then they would jump in their cars and listen to Al Green and Brenton Woods. And the, like, oh yeah, you know what I mean. Dude, so I'd be like, I'd be like, "Uh, you're listening to Smokey Robinson." Th- th- this, is, like, this is what I, I tell don't people understand, about you know? George Lopez is he comes out to uh. He comes out to the lowrider track. He doesn't know that that's a black group that does yeah. it. Yeah. That yeah. Whole, like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. war, all those other cats. People well, yeah. don't know. What do you think they were? Do they yeah. were these warrants? Yeah, no. So I, I mean, you know, I grew, look, I grew up in, man, I grew up in such an, for me, it was an original situation. I grew up as, as Chicano, as a Mexican with proud parents that wanted to teach me Spanish and English. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in mid city, which is a black, and Mexican neighborhood, so I grew up with black people. Then I ended up going to school in Pacific Palisades where it was like whites and blacks. So I literally, by the time I was 17, I was like, I'm a, I'm a Mexican that likes new wave. I'm a Mexican that likes MTV yeah. new wave British culture. <laughs> I literally was yeah. all into British comedy and British music. So I'm like, I like British music. I like Benny but I Hill. Like, but I like and New I like York. The but I like New York. <laughs> I like black conscious hip hop yeah. and I like British, British humor and I'm proud to be Mexican and I know, and I'm kicking it with white people now for the first time yeah. and I'm hanging out with Asians for the first time, but I talk black because I grew up in black people's houses with people saying the N word a thousand times a day and I mean, nobody tripping. Mm-hmm. I grew up where Mexicans said, said nigga all day and black people like, I'd be like six years old in, in a black person's house and they're like, get this little nigga out of here. Like mm-hmm. I just grew up like that and, and not saying that that's right or wrong. I just grew up like that. So for me, I got a little bit of taste of multi-cultures. So by the time I started creating, you know, I had to find the right incarnation for myself because I came like two Mex, pro Chicano, proud to be Mexican. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I realized I, I love that and I was about that. But then I was like, man, there's more to me than that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't like the immortal technique concept of being like 
so politically fresh. I was like, cool, I wanted to be that. But then I was like, shit, I like girls too. I want to rap like Grand Poopa about chicks. Mm-hmm. Or I want to rap, I'm funny too. Yeah. I want to rap about funny shit. I got a sense of humor. Or I want to rap about being the dopest rapper. Like, fuck you fucking whack ass fools. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? I want to yeah. be like L Cool J. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I, I, I had so many, by the time I started making my own music at 17, 16, 17, I had so much to draw from because I didn't have, I wasn't like just influenced by NWA. You were soaking up all these cultures, all this atmosphere. I was influenced by The Cure as much as I was influenced by Public Enemy and the Beastie Boys. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So, so it's just kind of my own path. Bicycle against the one way. I'm like an icicle on a Sunday. Cold drops poured over old crops. As long as the soil's strong, I will uncoil the songs that will boil away the wrong. I'm an indigenous bond with a mysterious surface. As serious as this earth is, feeling worthless. The fury of my verses require a series of nurses with a tenfold of doctors. But my info's been doctored. Is manifolded and lockered at Lockheed Central headquarters under lock and key mental dead orders. Nothing but bedridden coroners in the corner playing organ donors like Philharmonics. Still to feel harm honest in a full arm harness. I'm a full time artist in a full mind's darkness. Paranoia will destroy ya. Paranoia will destroy ya. Paranoia will destroy ya. And I got a lot, maybe too much for ya. Paranoia will destroy ya. Paranoia, it's good for ya. Paranoia will destroy ya. And I got a lot, maybe too much for ya. Soldiers seem to seek the Jesus of the weak. Soon as someone speaks, slice from cheek to cheek. Dying to survive week to week. But I'm too weak to weep You would rather die twice Than to ever try once I haven't even bothered to sleep right in nine months As I part from my carcass and embark on an almost expected demise I'm as effective as size I am the perfect anti-political prize My friends call me paranoid guy The elders call me reality eyes I die Where melody and immortality lie I'm an author That is all for An offering To the tall door Opening wide I have openly lied that I was happy inside as the sun rapidly dies. Paranoia will destroy ya. Paranoia will destroy ya. Paranoia will destroy ya. And I got a lot, maybe too much for ya. Paranoia will destroy ya. Paranoia will destroy ya. Paranoia will destroy ya. And I got a lot, maybe too much for ya. And yo, I wake up in the morning and I go outside. I take a deep breath and I get real high. Look around, my eye is wide That's the one, two, three It's the clops to try Reverse it, try clops And now why hops? Why you wanna jump on my back For what I drops? On the people, uh, on the masses You're looking at me with your spectacle Big glasses and magnifying Like I'm lying But I am a lion king I bring something more than just this ill microphone swing I bring it for the people I bring it for the ring The circle looking at me like that I never understood why black or brown could not be down, and especially in the jails. What the fuck in the hell is that? Huh? I'm writing exact. 
you watching me, so I gotta watch my back. They watching me, cause they know I roll with mine louder. They watching me, cause they know I roll with mine louder. Paranoia will destroy ya. Paranoia will destroy ya. Paranoia will destroy ya. And I got a lot, maybe too much for ya. Paranoia will destroy ya. Paranoia will destroy ya. Paranoia will destroy ya. And I got a lot, maybe too much for ya. So when when did the visionaries become? Because I'm sure you probably met someone before you you wanted. Um. Well, the vi- the thing with the visionaries is that Kiku, and um, before I even get to how I met them, Kiku and Elemento were already they were they were fucking with Easy E. Oh shit! Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They were already creating. They were they were in fact Elemento. If you if you for all you old school heads. Elemental is in the DLC video for the formula. And is he really? Yeah, if you listen oh, to that shit. funny ass intro yeah. where they're right. looking they're looking yeah. for a new rapper yeah. and they have yeah, these Mexican the and white stuff. boys with yeah. like rolling, strolling, and rolling kind of whole like, rolling, like we're the new kids on the block. Like, they were like acting like they were the new kids on the block rapping. Yeah. Elemental is there. He's there. Because he was messing with DJ Speed and Easy E and Kiku. Basically, Kiku and Elemental and Sinful from the Mexicans, they were with Easy, they were creating the United Nations of rap. So that was really the, the the visionary's first incarnation was the United Nations of rap, which is a brilliant Holy idea. Shit. So that was way before they even met me. I wasn't even down with them like that. Yeah. I met Rhett Matic through through Raka. I, I met Raka at at a at a what is it called? The hip hop shop on Fairfax around the time I got out of high school. Raka was sitting on the corner, fucking sitting on the curve writing rhymes. And I just walked up on him like, what's up, dude? And we both talked about we rap. How'd you know you met Rocker before that? I just went to the hip hop shop because I heard they play hip hop there. Uh-huh. And I met Hex. Yeah. OG Hex. And, and you met, saw this dude just scribbling. Yeah. And, and that's like, how hey, I met Rocker. Me yeah. and Rocker became best friends, started hanging out. I seen dilated people before they were dilated when they yeah. were called the Fatliners and all that shit. And so, and so a lot, a lot of things like, I mean, I went to high school with Will I Am. Yeah. And I saw a 15 year old Will I Am with headphones on every day with dreadlocks trying to rap like reggae you know like crazy like you know what i mean I, I saw so much yeah at a young age but but for me i was just trying to form my way you know but with the visionaries going back to the visionary template um i met retmatic through raka and then i met kiku through the mexicans mm-hmm. because when the mexicans were coming out they they befriended of mexican descent we met and of mexican descent and the mexicans actually made a song that was supposed to be a b-side on on one of the mexicans album on the mexicans album but for some reason the song i don't you know who knows but it didn't make the b-side but dude it was an amazing it would have you know if a mexican descent would have been on motown it would yeah been, it would you know had a, had a 12 had a song on motown it yeah. been dope, but you know these things happen but it's all good but it's like through through the mexicans who i got mad love for i met kiku kiku and Rematic had a radio show 
on at, on the campus of UCLA called the Broken Abstract Syndrome Show, and they would invite me, and I would go over there and freestyle with Rob One, rest in peace, and I would every now and then I had a demo and I'd play like a demo, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and then the Visionaries invited me to to practice with them. So the Visionaries were a crew before they, I was the last member of the Visionaries. Uh-huh. By the time I I met them, I was the final piece. Okay, they had Elemental, Danu, Zen. Key and Red was the goal to have all the like the minorities represented. I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. So I when you know. say final piece, what do you mean? I mean, I was the last member. Like, okay, they were okay, already, but but there wasn't like a mentality of like let's make sure we I show the diversity. I don't of think. LA. I mean, I don't know. They, oh, you, that, don't know, you have yeah. to ask Key that you know okay. that because that was you know. Yeah, I just like them. They had a studio in Carson called the Bomb Shelter, mm-hmm. and I would just go there and rap with them. Like it, everything was so organic. Right. It wasn't like marketing wise, we're gonna do this. Yeah. You know? it was just like. We're homies. And actually, they asked me to be the group in a freestyle, and I answered in a freestyle. So we're in the bomb shelter freestyle, and they're like, we came up with this concept, something, something. You should join our group. And I was like, something like, you want me to join your crew? For fuck it, just like a marriage. I say I do. And it was like, oh. I mean, so I literally joined the group in a freestyle. Yeah. So, yeah. And then we, and then from there, Kiko and Rheumatic were making Cosmonauts, their debut album. And, and we made a posse song called Visionaries, Don't Act Scary. And after that, Cosmonauts came out. We, we all sat and had meetings and we're like, we should put our money together and make a 12, a 12 inch for just visionaries. Mm-hmm. And then the, the president of Up Above Records, Doug Cotto, was already, had already put out Key and Red and saw how hot the visionary song was and how hot the concept was. Like, Key and Red would perform and then, and then we come out at the end and do one song, we, mm-hmm. we, you know. And so that, that that's how the vision has started. Why do you think that this era was kind of the era where large groups were uh, a main attraction or were happening all over hip hop? Um, I mean, I, I mean, hip, I mean, hip hop had already by the time you know you figure ninety. 95, 96, 97, when we started making hip, I mean, I started making hip hop in 92, but mm-hmm. let's just say 94, 95, 96. By that time, I mean, hip hop was all, had already, the golden era had already passed. 88 had already happened. Mm-hmm. So hip hop has already been popping since the late 70s. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was all, it was, there was already other groups. It's just that we didn't live in the era of the internet. So we didn't, li- we don't know what was going on. We mm-hmm. didn't know that in Japan, motherfuckers been rapping since the eighties. We didn't know that in Germany, motherfuckers been rapping since Germany. There's rap. I, I went to Germany and, and motherfuckers were like, for I put out records in 88. Mm-hmm. And we're like, we never knew, you know, in Japan, yeah. rappers from the eighties in Japan. So, yeah. you know, it's just about the information age. So as soon as New York, as soon as hip hop first wasn't like the year that breakdancing was, was created, best believe somebody, was in New York or wherever in LA and, and went to Paris and went to Italy and took right, it. Yeah. Best believe, you know, so, so where, whenever something like that is created, the year after it's always all over the world. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I just think that the reason groups were the way they were done for us was just because of the group mentality, you know, possibly. Like if I make it, we all make it type stuff. I mean, look at the Good Life Project Blowed. Yeah. You're talking about a collective of 180 rappers and we were all f- like, intertwined you know what i mean yeah, or like yeah. or like you know the shapeshifters or all these all of our families you know we're right now with with bands in long beach you know like i had a band called the look daggers and my boy ike passed away but because of ike ike was in like 10 15 bands so now there's like i have a now i have a new band called asifui and all those and some of those dudes were in bands with ike or mm-hmm. friends with ike and mm-hmm. we're just all they're all you know everything's interwoven mm-hmm. you know back then 
before the internet where you can just get beats off the internet or like now I can get a beat from somebody in Russia and you know the shit before then you would just interact with who was around you you know mm-hmm. so and it, you it, all it had a collective mindset of making music of making hip hop together yeah. I mean so, by that time by the time the visionaries came around I had already been in a Mexican descent mm-hmm. since 92 so by the time 90, 96 came I was already four years into being in a Mexican I mean a Mexican descent I already kind of broke up me and Danny did our thing made songs but we're like always fighting and having our own little creative differences me and danny are two different entities every time you hear a mexican sense song you're hearing two different perspectives on a song always so me and danny made a lot of great music but we were always in different directions going in different directions from jump so i i started going solo sun got sons and and then visionaries came in and became like my second band Mm -hmm. so what what do you think the hispanic representation of hip-hop has been from the beginning do you feel that it was a heavy presence? Do you have, feel it was a large involvement? Well, see, I didn't. I never, you know, be, at the time. Now that I'm like more worldly, mm-hmm. I see. Like, like I said about Kid Frost, you know, like Kid Frost. I knew him from this Fodorasa and that album, and like I didn't know fucking Frost was rapping with Ice T in the fucking '80s, and I didn't know Frost had electro hop records. Yeah, and fucking like electro hop, like fucking techno, like rapping over house music and mm-hmm. rap. You know, like I didn't know. That, you know, fools have been, uh, pop, Chicanos have been pop locking since 78. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't know that. So I just well, didn't, I mean, you, know. you had like Elianes, who yeah, is, but I didn't, who's Puerto Rican. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, you who's had, you had Frankie it. Cutlass. Right. You had fucking, I mean, you had Crazy Legs. You know, mm-hmm. you had all these, I mean, you know, all, all these, all the dudes, you know, there's Puerto Ricans in, in the Furious Five and mm-hmm. all those original bands. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so yeah. I mean, the, the Latino, presence has been there since cool Herc, you know what i mean right, right so yeah i just didn't it wasn't like about that for me i mean kid frost lighter shade of brown alt uh latin alliance you know these are you know these first waves of of, of any kind of mexican hip-hop they i i heard them and, and would acknowledge it you know i just i was already my first wave of hip-hop was just like more like it was either Slick Rick and then it went to L, Cool J, Run DMC and then it, then I really got hooked around the public enemy era. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for Chicano nationalism. You know what I mean? Well, that's because as as a fan, when I when I was a kid, seeing the name Tumex, mm-hmm. it was to me, okay, it's an obvious representation that for sure. he's Mexican. He wants that yep. to be displayed. <laughs> and for me, being a Mexican kid, I was like, whoa, this is dope. I got to, right. I got to, if it, almost instinctively, I got to listen to it. I got to support it. Because right? I, I knew 16, it was yeah. special. I knew it was something different, well, right? Well, because I was 16 and I was wanted to be proud. And I was like, I'm too Mexican. Like, you know, my that name was given to me by my my, my best friend that died in my arms in that memo. He was like, You're, we're, we're, we're too Mex. We're too Mexican. Like, we're too down. Like, too short. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a deep of Mexican descent. I mean, right. it doesn't get more right more straightforward so, so, than that, you know? Artists like you and then like the, the Mexicans and then they're doing stuff with like exhibit and they're on MTV and they're on, they're on, on Motown, the, you know um, I mean? they're like, on yeah. wake up and it's like, yo, like this is something that I need to follow through. And it, it just luckily it was really dope hip hop. It was the hip hop that later on I would grow to love. Right. 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 Um, but d- did you know the, I don't want to say you knew, you must have not known because at the time you can't know, but the pressure or what it meant. To no, have a representation no, of that? not at all. They, didn't, that didn't, didn't cross your mind when no. you were laying the tracks no, when you were doing no, the shows? No, because, cause, um, like I said, our, our Mexican Ascent, our first wave of demos were very like, like, you know, I always like joke around and say, 
like i was like dude trust me dude i was a mortal technique back then like i was the the principles and knowledge that a mortal technique holds to the his depth of music not i'm not i'm not saying i'm not as deep a writer as him but i'm saying like when i a mexican descent on first incarnation we weren't as uh, I think a mortal technique is amazing, but I wasn't like that. Wasn't your focus? It, yeah, that's it, that's but, technique's but, but focus. Chicano pride was right. Our first, our first songs were "Que Viva La Raza," "Que Viva La Raza," "Que mm-hmm. Viva La Raza," "Que Viva." Where you from, Holmes? Was an anti- we had a song called "Way From Holmes," anti gang song. Um, you know, as I claim my city, Puro Los Angeles. Everything was Chicano power. Chicano power, yeah. Chicano power. Like, so it I was just what like you that. were naturally wanting to write. It wasn't something you you yeah, thought. Yeah, well, I got out of high school. I fir- when I first started rapping, we were performing at Mechas, uh-huh. East LA Mecha, Cal State Northridge, Cal State Dominguez Hills, USC, UCLA. So I was in that. But then as I was growing, like as I was doing that, I I just quickly realized that I wanted to do that. But I also want I I liked battle rapping. Even mm-hmm. I liked braggadocio i mean mm-hmm. hip-hop is misogynistic right like i get all the pussy yeah. like straight up you know mm-hmm. what i mean hip-hop is like i get pussy i'm, I'm the dopest it's by nature dope, yeah then, right a man man woman shit I, mm-hmm. i'm dope i get like i'm fly mm-hmm. so it's like so when you when you like a lot of times with artists like like immortal technique and great artists like that you know i'll give you an example one of my homies omeka who was a great chicano artist and really political he's like damn i can't even drink a coca-cola without somebody you know like you know like you know talking shit to me for mm-hmm. drinking a coca-cola yeah. and so i think i was like that too where i was like well fuck like i don't know if i'm being hypocritical but i want to be all aspects of of rap i want to rap sometimes i want to rap about my shoes so i want to rap about funny shit i want to diss the shit out of somebody i want to rap about women and getting pussy or getting laid so i want to be funny and rap about irrelevant shit so i think for me i i, I just would never I never put myself in that box. Why you always lie? Oh, oh my God. My name is Tumex, I know in your eyes I'm not a star But chances are, Kendrick Lamar plays my music in his car And even if he doesn't, this LA underground influence is permanently buzzing through the hearts and the mind of this world as a whole Even if they wanna pretend and act like they don't know In the last decade or so Some of the biggest hip-hop groups on the globe have taken for Project Load I don't really get the time to expose all the fraud But we spoiled all the children and spared too many rods Maybe I'm just too much of a lyrical style snob I just come from a place where odd futures not that odd The gods have shined down on this new generation But I'm still waiting around for some new innovation see life's a bitch when you're ahead of your time and the rest of the planet is still learning how to rhyme it's funny when i hear these songs all the time acting like you came up with the little styles you designed this industry is just like the blind leading the blind if you really want to find the origins of your mind then i take a look at hip-hop that's hard to find pay respect to the elders and architects of the time it's time you see the world for the hologram that it is you're too busy trying to turn up and trying to get in this biz and die Taking it back to master raise me in the biz I don't really care if you really get my references The difference is people say it is what it is But what it is now is just garbage 
too many cone seeds Overpopulating the harvest I'm not trying to kill the little hot from your dad But imagine if everybody on earth had a slab But not everybody mastered the recipe in the lavender He's to my OG homies still dropping tabs Hoping in the pimbers while you were popping tags And uh, I come from a place that everybody would sag Y'all new rappers are just actors getting your sag And uh, this life is based on the energy of your aura We all been way too selfish and should prepare for war While you're caught up in celebrity worship Wanting more your digital profile uploads All in storage style Worrying about who supposedly shot for her That's some shit only bitches step into like Sephora I'm at war with the evil that's trying to harvest your soul You're romanticizing over things you really can't control On the low I've been running the city as a whole Playing both role of the hero and villain that gain control Peace of the cloud makers and the little homie wine No one provoking myself severely I'm on a high note Shout out to Namek and the little homie Lenoski That's who I'm putting my money on to win on the low key OT Genesis And going up on a Tuesday is just a temporary distraction April Fool's Day ah. Only in the tomb of the brothers mind where the jewels lay The rules say get older and go away soon But I say that knowledge is in the mason Or of the shininess of innovation I've come down to a real revelation That positive energy activates constant elevation and through meditation, I've left forward in time to bring you this information. You keep telling me to turn up, but everywhere I turn, all I hear the same beat. Word up, burned up. All of my useless calories is not about a salary, it's all about reality. Everybody in the world raps, now it's insanity. I know you're just trying to live out your childhood fantasy. You work hard all week, I know that life's a bitch. So when Friday comes, you become Friday rich. And all that bullshit music that you bump all week becomes the real fantasy. That you seek and, uh, and when the paycheck comes You run to the bar So you could be the video rap star It's hard for you to care about Truth and the pain Let the poets be the poets And the jesters entertain The fame is contagious Throughout all the ages And me, I'm all about the pages The pages, the pages I'm all about the pages The pages, the pages I'm all about the pages The pages, the pages I'm all about the pages The pages, the pages The pages, the pages The pages, the pages I had seen some gang shit and I wasn't a gangster. I grew up in mid city in a gang neighborhood, but I was a little church boy. So I could, I knew to never front like I was from the streets. You know what I'm saying? That's why I, I'm, I don't have a movement like my brothers from Psycho Realm because I was never a street soldier like that. And I would never front. I don't give a fuck if I'm 43 now and I could start, I could have my own crew like that we, there used to be a tagging crew called a mexican descent that named themselves after our crew and we went to them and we're like homie don't represent us like that you know what i mean so we i i could have i could roll around with 50 dudes at every show but that was just never me because i never wanted to be i never wanted to front like i was street because i wasn't i was a church boy you know what i'm saying with with good parents no i'm the, i hear so, you you know and so that's what you your know, my, your my music, music i try to represent intelligence and critical thinking when i rhyme which was was a lot what i was able to relate to when i was listening to it as a fan because right. i i wasn't i'm not a gangster i'm never that never drew my attention right well, it was the music and it was the lyrics and hearing someone that kind of looks like me right representing me in a culture that i want to be involved in so much for sure, for sure it was for me it was like yes let's do it yes that's awesome that's fucking dope let's let's support it all let's listen to my, it the first 10 15 years of my the first 10 years of my career all my fans look like you yeah all my fans i are, bet yeah because my fans are like young <laughs> chubby yeah. mexicans that were like just like me like man you 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 rep you you speak for me dog like the way you 
you're like right. an underdog right. and you're like you, you know I was but, like yeah but, but I will sure. tell you this I always knew that hip hop didn't have a color uh I always knew that all this other stuff that people are talking now and right. some of it was being talked back then uh was all bullshit because I would love I love listening to like swollen members and it'd be oh, like yeah, it'd course. be match out white kid from canada right so i knew hip-hop was just everywhere dude. it was like oh, copyright yeah, sure. or dude, it was for benefit. years man to me it didn't matter for years for years my favorite group was third base yeah third base yeah. is my favorite no rock group <laughs> yeah i love third base I, I ride for third base to this day yeah and i and i, I like shit like that you yeah. know what i'm saying so yeah i feel you man i mean i never was those issues weren't really prominent in my early writings or in my early bands because yeah. i never thought a mexican descent was chicano pride but like we quickly, by the time we even created, after dude, our first demos, man, I'm telling you, even our first demos, I was into Doctor Demento, which is yeah. about obscure, weird mm-hmm. jazz, you know, all that. That's why I fell in love with Freestyle Fellowship because I was I, when I heard Freestyle Fellowship at Hip Hop Clan and CVE, I was like, wow, here's young people doing what I like from Dr. Demento, which is like fools rapping all crazy, and me and Danny were all into that shit. We were all into like. I would, dude, I was 17 years old writing. I would stay up and write six hour alliterations. Like, I would be like, when we walk, we walk wrong, right with, wide with, was water wet, when we wore white with, we, like, I was just on and on. I was just trying to do all kind of weird shit. Cause I was listening to Dr. Demento and to, br- and then I'd, I'd show that to people and people were like, yeah, that's not. I remember people telling me like, you need to get some gangster beats behind that shit, homie. <laughs> or like, yo, yeah. they'd be like, you, you, you know, I don't know what the fuck you're talking. People, Mexican fools used to diss me. Yeah. All my early records would always get panned. And, and you know what? Nobody would like my shit for three or four years and then they'd love my shit. And so I, I used to get to the point where I wouldn't even release my shit for two or three years so that yeah. I could be in time with people. That's because they wouldn't like, sense. they wouldn't get yeah. my shit or not. And then it's okay. Like people just wouldn't, people wouldn't like, I put out records and we would get dissed in magazines or be like, it's all right. I expected more promoters used to book me. And then when they see me perform, they're like, Oh, your name is Tumex. I just thought you'd be rapping over, you know, Al mm-hmm. Green and shit or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And, and a Mexican descent, honestly, for a lot of our music, our number one rule was like, let's stay away from the salsa loops. Let's stay away from the, from the traditional Mexican sound because we wanted to 